What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the host of the People's Party. I know you've been enjoying it so far. We thank you for your love and support. We got more People's Party coming up. We got all types of situations that you're going to want to tune into and never forget to watch. Talib Kweli, Jasmine Lee, it is the People's Party. Let's go. What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli. Welcome to another fantastic edition of The People's Party with Talib Kweli and my wonderful co-host, Jasmine Lee. Give it up for Jasmine Lee and the place to be. No doubt. What's up? How you feeling, Jasmine? I'm feeling amazing. Just a little chilly today. Oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We got it really cool in here because there's a lot of lights and equipment. Mm-hmm. And we can't be sweating with the cameras. You Don't know what I'm saying? sweat off all this sexiness. <laughs> we gonna get real sexy today? Yeah, really? always. It's gonna be a sexy show? Super sexy. Okay. This guest is a friend of mine. This guest is another MC. You know, we love the MCs here at the People's Party. He's one of my favorite MCs, one of the greatest working MCs to do it. He's been around for a long time, just like an OG, but he's still very contemporary. He's part of a bunch of group situations, but the stuff that he does on his own is very important. He has made a name for himself in the real world. He's made a name for himself on social media. He once dropped a new record for every week, for 52 weeks, wow. or however many weeks is in a year. I don't know, I forgot, but it was a lot of them. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to the host of Crook's Corner, one of the best MCs working, Crooked Eye, AKA King Crooked, in the place to be. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? The homie. Okay, backpacker style. You guys got the beer twin thing going on. Hey, his shit is thicker and fuller than mine, though. That's what she said. Beer gang, beer gang, beer gang. What's up? Congrats on the show, man. Thank you, man. Congrats on your show. Man, there we have it. We out here. Corner, man. Yeah, man. Thank you, bro. That's exciting. I really appreciate that. Tell me about that. Crook's Corner, man, is just like, I like having barbershop conversations, mm-hmm. you know, about hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I, one day I decided to stop tweeting about what I had for lunch mm-hmm. and just ask rap questions. Mm. Yeah, your Twitter is very, very interesting and prolific because of that. The questions you ask, particularly stuff like who's got the better verse or Renegade, Eminem or Jay-Z, certain right, right. questions, is only for people who understand the culture. Yo, dog, that, that debate right there is crazy. Mm. It goes on for hours. Like, sometimes I might have to delete a question right. because now I can't get to the next one. It takes over they, your feed. It takes over the feed, so mm-hmm. that, that's one of those. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just decided to start engaging with the people and just talking strictly about hip-hop. And that led to me saying, you know what, let me take this to somewhere visual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I started doing Crook's Corner on uh, Hip Hop DX. We built a little set. I brought some of my stuff from my crib. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Some memorabilia, some slaughterhouse mm-hmm. stuff, some plaques. And just, you know, sit down with dope MCs like yourself and we just bust down rap. Yeah, I can't you know wait to be a guest on Man, I can't wait to have you. Yeah, <laughs> I got real. a lot to say about raps. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but that's important that you have to, like, curate your audience. Right. Um, the same way you curate your playlist. Right, absolutely. Um, you can't have conversations with rap, or you can't have conversations with people about rap if they're not understanding like the rudiments of what, what genre are we talking about of rap? Or mm-hmm. are we talking about just lyrics? Are we talking about business-wise? Are we talking about production? Like what era are we talking about? Like how mm-hmm. do you navigate through all that? Um, I navigate through that, man, by just being open 
and 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 trying to soak up what the people are saying. Mm. I don't want too many of my mm. own personal opinions right. to dilute the conversation, the cloud what's going on. I want to hear mm. what the people have to say. That's why you pose the questions. Yeah, I pose the question. Mm. And then if I see somebody, you know, going at it and it's about to go to somewhere disrespectful, I kind of mediate mm -hmm. too because I want it to be a safe space to have an opinion. You know, we get sensitive now yeah. mm -hmm. about opinions, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So I wanna, I wanna make sure that people feel good about the conversation, even if they're disagreeing, they can still dap it up like, yo, that was a nice little debate we had, see you mm -hmm. next time, time. Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So just a lot of mediation and a lot of, um, I sprinkle my input in, like you said, if, they, if they're saying, yo, but, what, what about Rakim versus Nas, who's the greatest writer? And then I say, well, listen, man, we got to talk about Rakim being the foundation first. Right. You know, because There is Nas, no Nas without Rakim. There is no Nas mm -hmm. without Rakim. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. every now and then I'll come in with that little tidbit, a little mm -hmm. nugget, so they could just, you know, look at it from a different perspective. A moderator. And, and yeah, a moderator. Right. Exactly. And just kind of let it go, man. And it's just dope to see these people's perspective on rap, dog, because mm -hmm. we do it. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure when you listen to music, sometimes you might have an A&R ear, like, mm -hmm. damn, this person could have made this song like this, or he should have mm -hmm. said that, you know what I mean? Because we, we kind of curse with that, mm -hmm. being a high-level writer as yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of curse when you listen, but these people are just fans, pure fans of it. You right, know, and, right. and to see what their perspectives are, man, is, is really incredible, dog. I've, I've learned a lot doing that, right. you know what I'm saying, and learn how people view rap. Now, as a writer, um, and you're such a prolific writer, Thank you know, you, like you write all the time. Um, you had an opportunity to write for the Hulu Wu-Tang Once Upon a Time in Shaolin situation, right? Oh my God, dog. That fell on my desk, I was like, wow. Talk to me about that, because I haven't seen the show yet. You gotta check this show out, Yeah, bro. and it's like, so you're writing, tell me what you're writing. Well, um, they came to me and they was like, yo, so we need somebody to write mm -hmm. um, for 90s NY type rappers. Right. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Long Beach, California. Long Beach. You know what I'm saying? Right. Okay. <laughs> right. So, you know, I was like, all right, this will be dope. So um, the first thing that they had me do was write for a crew. And this crew in the, in the story, they won a talent show. Mm -hmm. And it's four of them rapping. So I had to write from four different perspectives, mm. and then I had to go lay a reference track, mm -hmm. rapping in four different voices and cadences, mm -hmm. so people would know, so the actors would know mm -hmm. which part was theirs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, and it was dope. It was like they, they put on a chub rock beat, treat them right, instrumental, and they wanted some fun, party rap, you know, mm -hmm. call and response, you know, crowd engagement type rap, and, and it was just fun. I did it, and that was the first one I did for them, and they loved it. And they were like, yo, we didn't know you, you know, your man told us you could write any kind yeah. of style, yeah. but we didn't know it was that deep. So can you do some more? And I ended up doing more and more and more and more. And um, it was just a great experience, man, to have fun again. Like, I just, I don't want to do, I don't rap for money anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't do anything for money when it comes to art mm -hmm. no more. You know what I mean? I feel if, that. If, if money comes, money comes. I feel that. But, um, you know, to just have fun. You right. know what I'm saying? To be in there having fun, like the whole studio dancing around the Chub Rock beat, you know what I mean? Right, Everybody right, right. having fun. Right, doing and a running man and doing shit. Doing a running man and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, just having fun and that energy, that's the kind of energy I want to be around. So when they mm -hmm. told me it was for Wu-Tang, of course, Wu-Tang is legendary. Of mm -hmm. course, Wu-Tang is iconic. Um, it was just a dope thing. And I talked to RZA, man, and RZA was like, yo, man, you really killed that shit. Yeah. You know? I, I'm fascinated with, you know, uh, with you, like you have a rap style mm -hmm. that, if I hear you, I might think you from the East Coast. 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's the thing. I think we were very, you know, I wanted to take my flow to the next level. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of us out here in LA, in Long Beach, Compton, Watts, Hawthorne, we were going to the Good Life Cafe and freestyling, ah, right? Life. And we were going to Project Blow at mm -hmm. Lamert Park. And you would hear all these syllable rhymers mm -hmm. using multi-syllable flows, but you, on TV, you would only see one style of West Coast rap, mm -hmm. really. You know what I mean? So a yeah. lot of people felt like, yo, that's what the West is about. Mm -hmm. You know, but we listened to everything. We wasn't hating, like, you know, once we heard Rakim drop my melody, it was like, yo, he did you hear what he's rhyming? Mm -hmm. He's rhyming like three syllables every line. It's mm -hmm. like, oh my God. And then now he's rhyming whole sentences. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like if you was interested in taking your flow to the next level, that's what you had to do. Right. You could not just sit at this level when you had people like Rakim, Cool G, Big Daddy mm -hmm. Kane. I mean, even back to Kumo D mm -hmm. and, and Cass, when they start really doing their thing, it's like, yo. These people are rhyming on a superior level. You have, if you want to, if you want to do something, I was always taught that you got to be the best at something mm -hmm. or try to be, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was like, yo, I got to jump in with that. I can't stay here where, where, where I'm hearing that's just this, this mainstream West Coast rap going. No, mm -hmm. not, no shots. I grew up on it. I love it. It's a vibe right. and all that, you know what I'm saying? But I right. have to take this skill and technique to another level. Now you also, you know, you were rocking with DPGs in 95, right? Right, right. So you was around, like, like, did you meet Tupac? Right, yep. I met Pac. The first time I met Pac, he was doing a, um, the uh, St. Ives commercial with Snoop. Mm -hmm. They had a... Um, they used to call St. Ives Crooked Eye. They used to call it Crooked Eye, <laughs> okay. yeah. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. when my older brother started nicknaming me after that. Okay. But, um, yeah, he was in there, dog, and it was just crazy, dog. I came in there with my homie Rand, dog, right? We was in Larrabee North Studio. Larrabee. You know what I'm saying? It went down in Larrabee. It went down in Larrabee. <laughs> so we, we, we pull up mm -hmm. in the old school with the homie Big C style and Rand, dog. Mm -hmm. Rand, dog, go, he's like a dude who could bench press like 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. So he's one of the homies from, the, like, the older homies from Long Beach. He comes in the door. He, this is my first experience with anything death row. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm young. I'm a teenager. Um, you know, I know Snoop, but I'm always in the city. From a Long Beach connection. Yeah, in the city dealing with Snoop or, you know, at, at Snoop House with some homies or not. But this is my first time dealing with the Death Row label. They mm -hmm. were recording. They were doing a commercial. Tupac was in the building. We walk in. My homie Randog and Suge have a face off in the door. Two big buff dudes trying to squeeze through the door at the same time. <laughs> me mugging each other on right, the way in slow right. motion, you know what I'm saying? I'm right. like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is this the shit, it's lit. So we go in and then I see Pac standing at the board. And this, I'm a big Tupac fan. Mm -hmm. Like right now, Tupac is the GOAT to me mm -hmm. because his music just spoke to me more so on a personal level than anybody else's, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking up, I'm like, damn, that go Pac. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I see Snoop walk in and they going over their lines and how they going to attack it and all this stuff. And I go in, I'm like, yo, what's up? I'm crook, yo, pop, boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. We start talking. I'm a teenager, bro. Mm. At the time, I didn't really understand how blessed I was to be in that room. Mm. Yeah, I met Pac as a teenager, too. Yeah. Working for uh, Jessica Rosenblum and Funkmaster Flex. Mm. Pac was coming to New York, rocking with that crew. Mm -hmm. um, there's a mythology 
to Long Beach and his place in this whole hip hop thing, but beyond hip hop, just the LA thing. Right. Coming from the East Coast, we don't really understand the differences. If mm -hmm. you ask us, Long Beach might as well be Fresno. It's right, like right. we don't really know the differences. Can you explain what Long Beach represents in the scope of the city and then in the scope of hip hop? Yeah, because like people would be like, yo, you know, because LA County is Long Beach, Compton, Watts, mm -hmm. South Central, you know, that's the county of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But you can't tell somebody from Long Beach that they're from L.A. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. No. Because in my mind, it's still, now I lived in L.A. for some time, but when you live in L.A., it's like that's a different city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole other city. Like, nah, we from Long Beach. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the pride, man. We Everybody from the city got pride. Like, mm -hmm. you just see all these Long Beach State hats, mm -hmm. fitted, snapbacks, right. you know what I'm saying? You see right. the merch. You just People got a lot of pride in being mm -hmm. from Long Beach. My father was in the Navy and he was stationed there. You know what I'm saying? That's where he met my moms. My moms came so out here. So you official Long Beach. Yeah, I'm super, I'm, I'm, <laughs> even though we left, we right. left. My moms, she was a singer, her and her twin sister. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. They came from Oklahoma. Hmm. They used to sing with the Gap Band and all that, right? Okay. So when she came out here to get a record deal, met my pops, my pops was in the Navy in Long Beach, had me, hmm. you feel me? Mm -hmm. So that's how, you know, we started off in Long Beach. and. uh yeah, it's just a lot of pride there. Um, it's a lot of talent, and it's a, it's laid back, but it could turn up in a minute. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you don't know where you at, you hit the wrong corner, you don't know who you're talking to, it could get ugly. But it's a beautiful city, and I've mm -hmm. always felt like hip-hop hasn't really beautiful. seen the gorgeousness of Long Beach, California. I mm -hmm. think that we too stuck on keeping the camera lens pointed at the hood mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and which is fine i love the hood. i love the people in there and everything you know them mm -hmm. my people for life yeah but at yeah. the same time dude we got a mini south beach you know what i'm right, saying right. you go down pine avenue it's beautiful the restaurants are great you go to the pier you got all these hotels on the sand it's beautiful right and i just feel like you know People need to see that side of Long Beach, you know. But of course, we got we got our danger element, you know. And there's a real, um, a, a war, man, between the blacks and the Mexicans in, mm -hmm. in Long Beach. So, you know, it's a different story because a lot of times it's, you know, you got the Crips mm -hmm. banging against the Bloods or mm -hmm. the Pyrus, and then in Long Beach you got Crips banging against Crips mm -hmm. because most of the, you know, the whole city is Crips, mm -hmm. and then uh, Mexican gangs. Now. In the Trump era, we have um, a lot of hatred being tossed towards immigrants, particularly black and brown immigrants, particularly in the South, really against brown immigrants, Mexicans mm -hmm. in particular. Mm -hmm. L.A. and Long Beach are used in the same way that Chicago is used when they talk about black on black crime. Right. So people talk about black on black crime, they'd be like, well, what about Chicago? Right, right, you, right. You, you start to talk to people about intersectionality and the need for people of color, marginalized people to come together, mm -hmm. black and brown unity, right. which in California is a bigger deal than the rest of the world, right. Right? right? And people will use the situation in Long Beach in LA and say, well, look how the Mexicans is treating us there and use that as an example for why we shouldn't align with, right. with Mexicans. Right. What's your feeling on that? It wouldn't be L.A. without Mexicans. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When mm -hmm. Pac gave it up, it was just real. Because um, hip-hop, bro, mm -hmm. one of the great unifiers Yeah, is hip-hop. You know, we had a group out of um, the east side of Long Beach called the Mexicans. Mm -hmm. My brother that. Sinful, mm -hmm. Capital I Man, dope, mm -hmm. lyricist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? DJ Khalil giving them bangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they mean a lot to the city mm. and they would help bridge the gap 
along with myself mm -hmm. and other MCs like me coming together and having the black and brown show events yeah. at venues. Music brought that scene together. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? My, my little brother was, was moving through a Mexican neighborhood one day mm -hmm. and he had on one of my t-shirts, my merchandise t-shirts. Mm -hmm. Bunch of Mexicans pulled up on him and they was about to trip on him. Mm -hmm. But they seen his shirt and they said, yo, how, you know Crook? And he was like, that's my older brother. And they were like, oh, you good over here, homie. Mm -hmm. He always try to put things together. He ain't one of those motherfuckers that's trying to divide the city. He trying right. to put the city together. Because ain't we stronger together? We stronger together, bro. We are definitely stronger together, but I feel like, I, I don't know, my whole thing about merging the whole, I mean, people of color, because that's what they're trying to do now, people of color and then black people. It's just that it just seems when we are going through certain things that, you know, other races are not speaking up, and particularly for Mexicans, when um, black people are getting killed in the street or black people aren't getting equal rights or they're not getting paid the same, they'll, they're quiet. But then when the immigration and with the concentration camp, not concentration camp, it's concentration camp, the Emma, um, Damn near. The ice or whatever, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Like with the, um, what they're doing now with the kids um, at the border and mm -hmm. not letting them through. And it's like black people, we always speak up on everybody's issues, but it's like people don't always speak up on ours. See, I would disagree with that. Um, just the way that it's framed because the same way that you can say, well, we, we have issues, they don't, you get into trouble when you start talking they, because it's assuming that all Mexican people are monolithic, think alike. Like when I, in, oh, yeah. in my experience, right, when I do uh, black activist work, two of my best friends, Rosa Clemente, Puerto Rican from New York, um, uh, Autumn Marie Griffin, Mexican black from Chicago, right? Her daddy's Mexican, her mother's black. These are some of the most pro-black revolutionary people I know. And you don't have to be Afro-Latino to be pro-black or black mm -hmm. and Mexican to be pro-black, but I feel like that right there is the, the trap because you're right. And you know in Long Beach, like you're right. There's a lot, there's a lot of racist Mexicans. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of dark-skinned racist Mexicans. Mm -hmm. Like be same color as Crook and me and you, but be racist to black people, right? Mm -hmm. right. But we also have a lot of Candace Owens and Ben uh, Carsons and Diamond of Silks oh, yeah. and our own race. Man, we also man, have man. a lot of people in, 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 in black people who be racist and want to talk about that pro-ice build a wall shit as if we supposed to be down with the police all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like we, we say fuck the police until it comes time to keep, keep the Mexicans out, then all of a sudden we down with the police. So I think it goes back and forth, but I think that's what, what you're speaking to is why the conversation needs to be had. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah, I think, I think bro, like when I was young, I had to go to Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. Because my mom, that's where she's from. So she wanted to move back. We were getting in trouble as kids. You know, my older brother was gang banging and um, things were catching up. So she moved us to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And we got to Oklahoma City. The Mexican and the blacks were getting along. Mm -hmm. It was a culture shock to me mm -hmm. because it was like such a minority mm -hmm. that they had to stick together, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because the Republicans and the white community had it on lock. That's right. You see what I'm saying? That's so right. they had to stick together. So what happened was I ended up having like some great friends, bro. Um, and they taught me things about their traditions mm -hmm. and culture and things like that. And when it, when it got deep, we got into a fight with some dudes, man. These dudes risked their life, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? We getting down with these dudes. My older brother getting down, I'm getting down, I'm young. I'm like 15, 14, boom, boom, boom. We, we roll these fools up, mm -hmm. jump in the car with my Mexican homie, Jimmy G. Boom, his carburetor goes out oh, no. 
and they eat the car up. Yeah, pat, 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 mm -hmm. pat, pat, pat. My brother gets shot right next to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy, skirt, he gets the car back started. Drive up into his yard. His home, his his brother Ray come out with the shotgun. Like, mm -hmm. get off my people. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Yeah. So I've been in, and I, I feel free talking about that because I was 15 years old, mm -hmm. man, 14. You know what I'm saying? This is fucking years ago. But um, right then I saw when it really matters, mm -hmm. they had our back mm -hmm. and yeah. we had their back. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, yeah. and I never forget that. Like, that's what I think about when I'm saying, hey, sinful. I'll be at your show tonight, dog. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna bring some people with me, man. We can all talk about, you know, just well, black and brown thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Things like that. It's, it's the stakes is higher in LA, and because you know, you talked about good life, but um, you know, Freestyle Fellowship, the the first single they had that blew up was Inner City Boundaries, and that record was particularly about Los Angeles and how things are segregated and sectioned off. Mm -hmm. And in New York, that was for me living in LA. I had to learn that a little bit because in New York. I'm hanging out with all the Dominicans mm -hmm. and the Puerto Ricans, and right. they they just like us, and they saying nigga just like us, and uh -huh. it's like the same thing. Now, see, I never agreed with that though. Well, I, just where I grew up in New York and Brooklyn, and going to high school, the black and brown people, whether it was like a Fat Joe and Big Pun type, they 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 had a black nigga experience, so they said nigga like us. But when you go other places. When I started doing music with high tech in Cincinnati, when I started coming to LA, the, the Latino community is more separate than the black community. So if people hear that and they like, nah, like you're not supposed to say that. I don't know if it's like a if it's a language barrier, and that's why in certain places it's separate. Because in LA, as you say, it's segregated. You can go to a you can go to a part of town, and they're only speaking Spanish mm -hmm. or whatever. But more so in New York, it's not There's like places that. like that in the Bronx and Washington Heights and certain. Well, places. not where I grew up. It's yeah. like more together. Like everyone kind of you know mm -hmm. talks to each other or whatever. Yeah, I just think it's I I think with um New York is that whole thing. Like Puerto Ricans, Dominicans saying nigga just like they they regular black people. That's a specific New York thing. We had Be Real on the on the show and they said nigga in early Cypress music, uh -huh. but Be Real sort of implied that he don't do that no more. Mm. He said he was doing it because he felt embraced by the culture, but being an LA cat, he, yeah. as he grew older, he realized mm -hmm. it was a different thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of, of gun violence, I know you don't speak on this a lot, right. but you were shot at yeah. while you were at, at established artists. Right. Um, did that change the way you move and did it affect your music? Yeah, it changed the way I move. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm not here to do no harm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just here to contribute to the culture and, and, and you know, sometimes you get caught up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because of your, the, what you're doing outside of the music and, mm -hmm. and the people you're affiliated with and the places you choose to spend your time. You know, and they try to make it a big deal about, you know, keeping it real and going back to the hood and, you know, things of that nature. And um, it's just, I had to ask my OG one day, I was like, man, after the nip thing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was like, man, is how do you feel about us coming back and opening businesses in the mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. and then getting treated like this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he was like, man, just don't let one bad apple kill a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. He was like, we need it. You know, we need it. He's like, that's something right. that we need. So I was like, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? I'm going to make sure that I do offer some sort of business to my community that I come from. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, with that yeah. certain incident, it was just, you know, I thought that getting record deals and traveling the world would keep me away from that type of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then it, it woke me up that you, it, you, you, you can be touched mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. So watch who you're around. 
Watch who you choose to spend your time with. You know, watch where you are. Know your location. Know your exit routes. Know everything. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Sit, sit, sit with your back to the wall. Look at the door. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like all that type of paranoia type shit. But it's really survival shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it taught me a lesson. Everything that happens to me, dog, that's so, that's perceived as negative, I take it as a lesson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't ever, I don't ever think that it's a bunch of negative. Why me? I'm a victim. I always f- find out what is this teaching me. Mm-hmm. What am I learning from this? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I take heed. And then we also we need to remember that because even though Nipsey did get killed, you know, at his store, that can happen anywhere. It didn't have to be necessarily be on Slauson that that happened or whatever. So it's like you don't want to get like jaded and, and paranoid of everybody because right. if, if you follow the philosophy of when it's my time to go, it's my time to go, then you can move right. differently and you can still help out the community without right. being, you know, Fearful. Yeah, I see. I, my problem was I was never that guy. When it's my time to go, mm-hmm. I always thought I could change that. <laughs> you know what I'm That's what rappers act like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I always thought that, hey, if I don't go here, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or if I put this bulletproof vest on while I'm signing this company all the mm-hmm. time, you know, maybe I'll live longer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was always that guy. But I, I feel you, though. You can't. You can't let it. You can't get jaded. You just mm. can't, man. And plus, it's just needed. We got to have people on the front line. Like, you on the front line, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. You out here in the streets and online, mm-hmm. and you got the hammer of justice because you, you you got time today mm-hmm. and tomorrow. Every day. You know what I'm saying? Every day. I, 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 I love time, but I make time. I, but oh, I, you lo- got time. I, I love it because it's like, yo, mm-hmm. if anybody wants to learn something about social justice or some, you know, what's going on with racism, or something, I just send them to your page, bro. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, like my nephew or something, like, yo, mm-hmm. go look at Tyler's page. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know what I'm that's, saying? That's what I do it for. I try not to be too much, and I tell people sometimes my page, page can be triggering. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of going back and forth, and if it's like you have some experiences with racism and you ha- don't have the resources or the knowledge to even know what I'm talking about, it can yeah. be overwhelming for some people. Right. But you know you know where I come from. You know right. I come from the bookstore. Right. You know what I'm saying? And when you and me was on tour together, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned to me that you used to have a relationship with uh, Esawan Books. Is it, am I saying it right? It's Esawan or Esawan? You know what? It was... Um it was a Uhuru Sasa. Oh, okay, okay. So it wasn't that's yeah. It was Uhuru Sasa. It was Uhuru Sasa, you know, which means freedom now mm-hmm. in Swahili. Um, one of my mentors, mm-hmm. you know, um, and big homies, Elijah Asante. Mm-hmm. He went to USC. He graduated from law school. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on a scholarship, football scholarship. He came back to the hood, and he opened a bookstore. Okay. Called Uhuru Sasa. Okay. And he would have all these different, you know, speakers and authors come through. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to give knowledge to the hood. You know what I mean? To all the young kids. And, you know, 16, walking down the street, he's like, hey, come here, drive-by shooter. Mm -hmm. Come inside the bookstore. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we'd go in the bookstore. And then he would read, you know, look, check this book out. You know, and then we would have, like, this thing called Conscious Connection where every Tuesday we read books and then we had a debate about what we was studying and learning in the book, whether Mm -hmm. that be Stolen Legacy or, you know, Mm -hmm. the destruction of the black civilization Mm -hmm. or ISIS papers. Gerald Massey and all this. All that, bro. Like, really. And in the middle of the hood, gang zone, war zone, crackhead zone, in the middle, red, black, and green building, Mm -hmm. Uhuru Sasa, and we had ciphers there, we freestyle, mm. and that was just our hangout. Mm. So he created an environment to where we started to think differently. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And he turned on a light in our minds. And um, you know, it ain't never went off. And you told me that 
uh, while you were at Uhuru Sasa, that you used to reach out to Nkiru sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you was like, you was really, you was like at the store all the time, right? Yeah, I was, I lived there one time. Right. I was homeless. Mm-hmm. So he gave me somewhere to stay. He let me sleep in there. So I was sleeping in there, eating a cup of noodles, mm-hmm. reading books. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, that became something that I was at the time like, yo, this is, this fucked up. But no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So that was great. It built character. Mm-hmm. It gave me knowledge. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, I, I had more confidence because, you know, I felt like, yo, I could be something. I could be somebody. You know, these right. books are telling me that I right. could be somebody other than what these people in this environment are, are telling me who mm-hmm. I can be. You know what I'm saying? Right. How important is it to actually read books in this digital era? I think you need to touch it sometimes mm-hmm. because I think it commits to memory. Your mind digests it better when you actually feel in the book, touching it, smelling and it. you're smelling it, and you, you know what I'm saying? Like, with, you, you got to utilize your senses sometimes when you're taking in information. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, um, I mean, I get a lot of audio books, too, though. Right. I ain't going to front. My, Just get the information. My, yeah, because I might have to walk. I'm, man, I'm walking now trying to jog and all this right. other shit, mm-hmm. trying to get healthy and all that. And, you know, I want to have something in the earphone. So I have, like, all kind of stuff. I was, um, But the last physical book that I bought is uh, Michael V. Roberts' Action Has No Season. Mm. Michael V. Roberts is a billionaire. He's a black bro- brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he made, his, he made his money in telecommunications and properties and hotels and stuff like that. And he goes around talking to people and teaching how to become wealthy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think that a lot of these kind of guys need to be connected to hip hop more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we need to look at these people the same way we look at Jay, the same way we look at Beyonce's, the same right, people right, right. LeBron. These are superstars. Right, and there's only 12 black billionaires out of 1,600 or so on the planet. You know, that's on purpose. Wow. And out of the 12, the ones we know about, the Jay-Z, the yeah. Oprah's, you know, it's like Chris Rock said, they had to fly to where a white man could walk to, but right. they had to outperform right. in their category, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to this guy who yeah. you put me, put me on to. Yeah, Michael V. Roberts, dog. Him, you know, um, I like uh, George C. Fraser, Dr. George C. Fraser. I like um, Dr. Claude Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the people that I feel like if hip-hop was in, if we were in the 90s, in the 80s, we would hear these names in all the bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see Black what I'm saying? Wealth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Claude Anderson has been in the news lately. He went to meet with Trump Uh-oh. to discuss reparations. Mm. Um, he didn't meet with Trump to be his friend. Mm-hmm. He went to meet with him to discuss the possibility. Do you think reparations is possible in your lifetime? I would have said no, but um, I think it's possible. Okay. I think it's possible. I mean, because we got people like yourself. We got people like, you know, Killer Mike out there. Mm-hmm. We got people like Claude Anderson sitting down mm-hmm. with Trump. You know what I'm saying? We got people open to the idea that, hey, everybody else right. got some sort of a help after a, right. a tragedy. There's, there's a bill, um, yeah. Cobra is a company, not a company, organization that's been pushing this HR 40 bill. Mm-hmm. It was picked up by uh, Cory Booker, mm. um, and he's trying to push it through. Um, the Democrats... Have signed the front runners have signed on to it. Um, mm. Kamala Harris, really, um, who people have issues with because of her time in Oakland as a DA. Right. right. Um, Bernie Sanders has signed on to it. Um, you know, I don't think Biden signed on to it. He's a little out of touch with everything. Yeah, uh, bro, you know, he's gonna lose too. Yeah, he, we can't let not, him go up yeah, there. Yeah. He should. He shouldn't even be up there at all. Actually, <laughs> um, but it's interesting now because we have this movement in the black community, which mm. is about walking away from the Democrats, mm. and it's not just Brexit. 
It's mm -hmm. not just Candace Owens and them, mm -hmm. but it's like people who are not conservatives who feel like the Democrats have taken our votes for granted. Um, yeah. But now you, which is true, um, but now you have the Democrats pushing this reparations piece. And so people are, I think people are a little conflicted. You mm -hmm. did a mixtape series called Block Obama. Right. 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 Um, and in your raps, I hear you rapping about like, you know, the evaporation in the middle class. Right. Right. So you in touch. Why? Do we need a strong, healthy middle class? Uh, I just think that's just, you know, to balance things out, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We need people spending money and earning money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In this economy. And, you know, the farther the gap gets between the rich and the poor, mm -hmm. you know, the poor ain't going to have nothing left to do but eat the rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we need that. We need mm -hmm. that healthy balance right there. And, um, you know, I like what Claude is saying, too, about, what if we did? What if we took 40, well, how many black people is it? 40 something million? 40 million. It's 40 million black mm -hmm. people in America decided, okay, we're going to form our own party, not to run for anything, but just to vote on the same page. Mm -hmm. Right. You an know? agenda. Yeah, an agenda. Like 40 million votes. And you know, if you don't right. do this, 40 million people won't be voting for you. That's what um, Malcolm X was on when he got with Adam Clinton Powell. Mm -hmm. um, I famously talked about not voting. You know, mm -hmm. I'm from the generation, you know what it is, Crook, like where we was like, we look at the whole system like mm -hmm. none of that, none of that status quo is for us. Right, right. But when I studied a little bit more about Malcolm and his whole ballot or the bullet thing, and I understood that they understood what other communities who obviously didn't have to go through the terrors of slavery. Right. You know, other communities have skin privilege where they're mm -hmm. closer to white. So it's like they're mm -hmm. not us. They weren't dragged here from from their homeland. So right. it's easier for them. But also they vote as communities and vote right. in blocks and, right. and that's how they get things done. And Malcolm was on his way there. Yeah. You know? And I just think that's just so important because if, if, uh, if my, in my opinion, if you're not about reparations, why am I voting for you? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And it ain't because I want free money. I can go make my own money. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But we need things. We need ownership. We need land. We need, you know, we need, we need things. I, there's a, there's a, uh, a organization out right now. This is the reason why I'm even talking about this that purports to be pro reparations. Okay. A black organization. Um, they're not from the research I've done on them. Mm. They're more like a front group for, to get black people to be more anti-immigrant. And they're oh, using the reparations man. thing to bring black people in mm. to be like, these, these immigrants is going to stop us from getting our reparations. Here we go. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, I try not to platform them and talk about them, but they attack me all. You, if you, if you online, you see them attacking me all the time, but that's one of the things that they bring I up. I know what you talk about. Yeah. That's one thing they bring up. They bring up the fact that there are now voices in the LGBT community that are saying, well, there should be reparations for this community. And they're saying that the establishment is more interested in supporting gay people than it is with supporting black people. Mm -hmm. uh, me personally, I feel like that's a flawed way to look at it because one, you're erasing all the black gay people. Right. Um, two, my experience with you said I'm on the front lines. Yeah. When I'm on the front lines, I'm a straight black male. Yeah. I see other straight black men there. Yeah. But you know who I see a lot? I see queer women, gay women. I see that community on the right. front lines of the, the struggle line. for black people. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. for uh, when, when Trayvon Martin was killed, when mm -hmm. Mike Brown was killed, I saw the gay community, whatever that's supposed to entail, yeah. on the front lines. Word. A lot of these so-called pro-black people who just be pro-black on Facebook and YouTube. They not there. Exactly. They not really in the flesh. Word. They they think that imitating the oppressor, acting like uh, patriarchy, acting like the way that the white man who runs the shit, like the top one percent is is the top one uh, one percent is ninety six percent white, 
And so the way that they run things, if we just pull up our pants and be anti-immigrant and anti-gay and just be good Christians, if we just be just like them, that's the path to liberation. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I, I push back against. But that's why I think these conversations are important in this space because here's a real person, Jasmine, here's a real person, Crooked, here's a real person, me. We all have a mutual respect for each other. So right. even in things that we disagree on, we can look each other in the eye and come to some, and figure out what it is we agree about instead of it being like some random Twitter troll mm-hmm. that we don't even know if that's even a black person out and they voice to this conversation. And it says Elizabeth Warren reintroduced a bill on the campaign trail this week, which could be 57 million in tax refunds for married LGBT couples. Mm-hmm. So it's not there yet, but. Right. And to, Elizabeth Warren is also a co-sponsor of the HR 40 bill, which is reparations for black Americans. Yeah. Man, so once we get these reparations, we need people like Claude Anderson again, mm-hmm. You need people like Michael, Michael V. Roberts, mm-hmm. you know, all of our financial wizards to, you know, kind of help guide so where, you know, those reparations, how they should be, you know, spent, how they should right. be. Because, I mean, you know. There's we, an argument right now as to whether or not reparations should be individual checks mm-hmm. or should be social programs, land, Definitely like programs. stuff like the GI Bill that happened mm-hmm. back in the day, stuff, programs, which essentially is government assistance. Right. There's an argument to whether or not people should get those individual checks, which people say they will then spend back in the system or should be more uh, far reaching programs. Hmm. What do you think? Man, that's that's one I got to think about. Yeah, for a minute. we have to look. I, I have to unpack talk that. Talk to the experts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah go see counsel on that one. Because yeah. I could see either or being, you know, kind of fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Depending I, on <laughs> who's in charge of, of the program. Because if you were to give someone, everybody an individual check, then they could just go and spend it on whatever they want. But that still may not help the black community. But if right. you're specifically putting it towards building up, building up black neighborhoods so that, you know, we can't gentrify is not happening or going to Section 8 houses and building those up so people right. can have like a nice environment to look yeah. at and want to do better. Right. Yeah, I just read about a sister that's doing that right now somewhere. I think it's Chicago taking abandoned trap houses and redoing them and making like nursing facility, like, ho- ho- you know, home nursing. And she's really flipping those properties mm-hmm. into something positive. It's just it's so much positivity going on, too. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we need to put more light on it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's because you make often because we, yeah. we, we focus Whatever we it's focus on to, is going to expand. We know yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to focus on the negative. It but is. I even do it with the rap shit. I talk about whack rappers all the time. I, I know, <laughs> it's, I know it's dope. I That's know it's dope do. niggas out there. But we I, talk about the I think ubiquitous yeah. whack MC that we all trying to kill at all times. At well, we all also, times. <laughs> but you also have times. to remember in your mind... <laughs> That even though they're, because like when you're getting in trouble, or whatever, your parent, when they're scolding you, they're going to tell you everything that you did bad, but they may not necessarily tell you all the things you did good. So us as a people, we just have to keep remembering the good. So it's like when you're talking about the bad, it's not saying everything's bad. It's just right. this area needs to be needs fixed. Needs to be improved. Yeah. Um, now, back to the music again, since you're talking about raps. Um, you have had a lot of stop and starts. Mm-hmm. You've had a lot of projects and been shelved a lot and been a part of a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. And then you got in a situation where you came in. This is what's interesting to me about you. Your bars are the star. Mm. It's never about who you affiliated with. You know, you were came in with, with Snoop and Daz and them. And then you got down with Def Row, and then there was an issue with Def Row, and then Daz stayed with Def Row, and you mm-hmm. stayed with Daz, and then Daz left, and then you were still with Def Row, mm-hmm. and then Snoop and Suge had a big, huge issue, mm-hmm. which I, I, from what I hear, that issue has been solved right. to a large degree, but it was a very big situation, big R- deal, very. while you were in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you able? My, my opinion is 
from the outside looking in is it must be the bars. Like yeah. this guy just must be such a good rapper mm -hmm. that people are like I don't mind if he's down with them niggas across yeah, the yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm still down with him. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of it, definitely. I mean, you know, I was able to go from death row in my past and then be signed to Shady Records with M, Shady Aftermath. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's not too many people who could go from Death Row Records to a Dr. Dre affiliated mm -hmm. um, company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and it is the bars. It's just it's just really uh, my you know being true to my craft and, and trying to improve at all times and making myself valuable enough for somebody to want to do business with me no matter what was going on. And I had to do that on Death Row because there was a black cloud when I left Death Row. A lot of people in the industry was like, you never make it. You're never mm. going to go anywhere else because you got this black cloud over you. People think sure going to jump out the closet on them. Right, because you heard the stories. You heard yeah. stories about Vanilla Ice and yeah. the issue with Pac and all this. Like any story you heard just times it by 10. So my whole thing Ooh. is, you know, they said you couldn't make it. That's one of the reasons why I did the Hip Hop Weekly series at first. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was dropping every week uh, for 52 weeks. I did that because, you know, and at the time, nobody was doing that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And my brother Watson from PSA Hip Hop, he had to really point this out to me. You know, um, they're like, okay, where's your classic body of work? That is my classic body of work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, That is my is. contribution, like how, you know, somebody would have, you know, the Blueprint or the Reasonable Doubt mm -hmm. or Illmatic. That 52 weeks, nobody was doing that. Everybody was influenced by it. Mm -hmm. um, Kanye start doing a weekly series, Good Music Monday. Everybody Woo Wednesdays. Woo, when everybody yeah. used that model after I created it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It got me on the cover, the first freshman cover, the Double XL magazine. I, I toured off of it. I made money off. So I made money. I impacted and I influenced mm -hmm. with that body of work, and it was a real solid body of work. Um, but that was part of that was like, yo, I gotta wrap my way out from under this black cloud. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I just wrap my way up, you know, like, yo, every week I'm gonna stay in their face. And, um, you know, another advantage was the blogs. People weren't doing that on the blogs yet. Mm -hmm. We were kind of new to putting music on blogs. So I was noticing a pattern when you drop something on a blog, one day, two days later, it's gone. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if I drop every week, I gotta stay on the top blogs mm -hmm. all year. Right, and you then you're shouting saying? out the blogs as the weeks are going out. You're shouting out the, the DJs and the blogs are showing you love. So it's creating a, a, a cyclical relationship. And, and the fans. Yeah. You know you're what I'm saying? Out fans shouting out fans yeah. and people making requests. Yo, can you take that uh, Kanye beat and do something mm -hmm. to I right, cool. You know what I mean? Boom, do it the next week. Like music made to order, basically. Now, how mm -hmm. many of those were, did you stack them up? before you rolled out? Like, did you have a, a couple of weeks, a few weeks done, or you were doing them fresh every week? I was doing them fresh every week so I could talk about current events too. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to be able to touch on things that were going on in the community and and, and, and make it current. So yeah, I was doing them every week, man. Even rain, sleet, or snow, mm -hmm. sick, you know? And that, when I was doing it, I was still doing mixtapes. I, I put out a couple mixtapes, you know? I started the weekly series again, mm -hmm. um, couple months ago I'm like on week 30 oh, I didn't know that. That's good. yeah I'm like on week 30 something but I did okay. it on Spotify because I wanted to grow my Spotify community and um, I just wanted to make a commitment to them you know ah, what I'm saying okay so okay no because I've been I've been listening to your Spotify a lot lately mm -hmm. and there's a lot of bars on there the weekly, so that's the, <laughs> yeah. those are the newer that's ones that's the newer ones yeah. that's what, okay so okay <laughs> I, okay, I get it, because there was some references on there. Like, you talked about Epstein. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you talked about how, <laughs> hanging with the bars. Like, yeah. Epstein is like a fucking Cardi B bar in there. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yo, this guy is just a, he's he's the future. <laughs> <laughs> 
Word. Ah, That's word. That's that Libra. We know everything. You know Libra, man. Scale gang, man. We hey. got we all just, Libras in the house today. Hey, we that's what I'm Libras. talking about, man. We we balance things out, bro. You know what I'm saying? You coming in hot, we going to cool you off. <laughs> yeah. saying <laughs> it's all good. Now, when you signed to Shady Aftermath, you signed with Shady Aftermath as a member of Slaughterhouse, right? Mm -hmm. Was there any issue? Like, did Dr. Dre or anybody have an issue with, the, with your previous death row work? It was funny because we was at the video shoot for um, Forever with uh, mm -hmm. Drake and Lil Wayne and Eminem, that mm -hmm. joint they all did together. Mm -hmm. And that's where we signed our letter of intent. And uh, we signed the letter of intent. And um, it was funny because one of the executives at Shady was like, so how do you feel? Mm -hmm. And I thought she was talking to the whole group, mm. but she was just talking to me. Mm. And I was like, well, what do you mean how I feel? And it was like, well, you was on death row, now you're ashamed. Right. And I was like, I feel great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Shit, it's lit, whatever it was said. <laughs> but uh, it was just, it's, it's just dope, man. And, and, and I use that example for, for all the up and coming artists, because I'm real artist friendly and I really want to see everybody win. And I want artists to take anything that they see in my career and, and, and try to, you know, make a shortcut where if I could save you a couple years of heartache by my mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, then, then I'd be great. So I like to tell artists, just be yourself at all mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not yourself, brother, you might not be able to move from a death row to a shady. Right. You know what I'm saying? You've done that first yeah. iteration of yourself. Yeah, because I went, when I was on death row, it was plenty mm -hmm. of times Suge wanted me to throw shots at Dr. Dre and Eminem. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, Suge, I mean, you got respect for me. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't sign a paper soldier. Mm -hmm. You didn't sign a robot, my G. You know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. signed me for my talent and what I do, my dedication, my passion. I don't have no problem with them. I don't know what that issue is. It's, it doesn't concern me. Mm -hmm. You know, with all due respect. So... You know, one time I was on the radio because I have I was we have a close relationship with Murder Inc. Mm -hmm. Back Murder in the Inc. Death Row days, yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? I had a song with Ashanti, the Baby Remix. Shout out to Irv. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And um, um, the crazy part was, Ja start. We went to Power 106 in L.A. and Ja had a record. You know, he was dissing M on the record. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm on Death Row. I got the Death Row chain on. It's Murder Inc. Death Row. That was just our whole clique right mm -hmm. at that time and. You know, they like, yo, he's like going crazy on him. And they're like, yo, Crook, what you think about this record? Are you going to be next? Are you going to mm -hmm. jump on? And I was like, you know what? I said, I love Irv because Irv is one of the realest dudes that I've dealt with in the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I always give Irv his salute, mm -hmm. period. He told me he was going to do a couple things for me in my career, and he did them. And mm -hmm. he was no strings attached. So I always respect him for that. I was like, I love him, but this not my beef. Mm -hmm. I said, if you ask me, Dr. Dre is still, the, I'm on death row, but Dr. Dre's the greatest hip hop right. producer. And arguably he mm -hmm. built death row. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, he's still a goat to me. Mm -hmm. And M got bars and I respect what they do. And they haven't never said nothing disrespectful to me or mm -hmm. my family. And then like, I'm not just, I'm not doing it. So little did I know Dr. Dre and was having a studio session and he heard the interview, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And he told me, later like yo I heard that interview where you was on death row and you didn't throw no shots and he's like that was your opportunity to you could have jumped on the bandwagon mm -hmm. and you know jump pick the mantle up and he was like you didn't and I always respect you for that and mm -hmm. you know if you need something holla at me you never know who's listening that's mm -hmm. why you always got to keep it a buck keep it a buck always always yeah that, and I don't if had I jumped out the window that day maybe mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been on Shady with Slaughterhouse mm -hmm. maybe they'd have said hey we want to sign you guys minus Crook right you know what I'm saying? Right. 
Um, so the mixtape, correct me if my math is wrong, but the, the, week, the weekly drop of the song, did that lead to the Young Boss? Young Boss? No, Young Boss was first. Okay, Young Boss came I got out first. Double, this is volume what I was one. told, Volume 1. I got double XL for that. Yeah. And they knocked it down to an XL. The guy, it was on your website, right? Yeah. Crash the servers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Young Boss, I use 50% Dr. Dre Beast, 50% DJ Premier. Mm -hmm. Half and half. Right, and, you know, um, you seen, I got a just award for that too. seen niggas walking the DJ Premier beats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Word up. Word. Shouts to Premier, man. Like hip hop is just so beautiful, dog. We got we got like titans in this game mm -hmm. that we are able mm -hmm. to sit down and have a conversation with. Like yourself, dog. Like we listen to all your shit. Oh, when man. you came out with the Black Star shit, mm -hmm. the East Side of Long Beach was fucking with that. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And you know when you did your solo shit, you know uh, with high tech and behind the beats. Yeah, and like Snoop and Dre and DJ Quick and them when when he had a when when Snoop had that show on um uh, on the beat. Uh -huh. He broke the blast in L.A. What? You know what I'm saying? It was Snoop and Quick playing that record that broke it. Shout out to, you know, uh, Friday Night Flavors crew. Right, and, right, know, right. All right. them, yeah. you know, the Beat Junkies and all them. Yeah. But, you know, you would expect them to play that real underground hip-hop shit. Right. Like, Snoop bro broke it to, like, the rest of L.A. And that's what we need, man, because we, you know, we need that voice right now. Mm-hmm. Badly. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because right now, it's like they trying to, they trying to smother out that conscious voice. You know, you got on, a new group situation radio. though, right? Like family yeah. business. Yes, sir. Family business. Yep. I, I would assume that you got some of them voices in that crew. Yeah, I mean, it's my little brothers. That's mm -hmm. why it's called family business. Okay. They got a group called Horseshoe Gang. They did a thing called Mixtape Monthly. They dropped a mixtape once a month on that piff. They put in all their work. So we, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna back up from my solo shit after mm -hmm. the weeklies is done, and mm -hmm. I'm just gonna focus on family business with my brothers and other stuff that I'm into, and um, yeah. They, you know, it's a family thing. I taught them how to rap when they was young. I used to go out and hustle for food, and I would give them four bars a piece when they was five and six years old. And I say, look, if you don't know these four bars, when I get back, you're not going outside. You're not playing <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so they're beasts now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they got every. They're students of the game. They're younger than me, but they're students and they're beasts. And um, we got a new single coming out pretty soon. Um, and we, we did a whole album in Detroit, man. And, and I took them to Detroit. We did a whole album. The album has some phenomenal guest features, phenomenal production on it. I'm happy about it. I'm waiting on the right time when I feel like our fans will really pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to drop it, man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, family business. Be Looking watching out for that, for sure. No doubt. But that's not the only group that you've been in. You mm -hmm. famously was a part of Slaughterhouse. Mm -hmm. Slaughterhouse, for me as an MC, Slaughterhouse was a big deal for me. Right. Um, to see y'all come together on that level, because y'all separately were all MCs that I was a fan of before. How did that arrive? How did that come together? Man, the internet was booming, at, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Joe had Joe Button TV, mm -hmm. which in my opinion gave birth to love and hip hop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because he was showing his, re his relationship mm -hmm. with Tahiri up close mm -hmm. and doing things that at the time rappers wasn't doing that. They don't right. want to let mm -hmm. you see them arguing with their woman. You right. know Joe what I'm was only with that for. <laughs> yeah. Joe was in the MySpace era arguing with yeah, rappers and exactly. showing what girl he was dealing with. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Joe started that. You yeah. know, him and yeah. Flavor Flav started all that to mm -hmm. me. Oh my God. You know what Flavor I'm saying? Flavor so, you know, um, 
that he had the internet booming. I had the internet booming with the weeklies. Mm -hmm. Royce was dropping the bar exams, had the mm -hmm. internet booming. Joel was on hip hop, doing all these little hip hop little um, blogs and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. He had it booming. And I felt like they was coming into my lane. I was like, damn, I'm running the <laughs> internet right now. Right. And here, they, the here they come, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So. Um, my little brother came, he was like, dog, you got to listen to Bar Exam too. Royce on some other shit. I listened yeah. to it. I was like, yo, this dude on some other shit. Yeah, man. And, uh, Royce like, five nine might be the MC whose name has come up the most on this show. Mm -hmm. Just from the work he's been putting in lately. He, he, he put in crazy work. Mm -hmm. So my, my man, Nino Bless was like, yo, Joe got a song. He want a posse cut, but he wants somebody from the West on it. And I, I told him he should get you. And he was like, Joe was like, for real, Crook? I ain't heard nothing from Crook since the death row days. Mm -hmm. And he put Joe up on the weeklies. And Joe was like, oh, man, you got to get him. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, boom, he so sent those, it to me. That's another way that those weeklies, mm -hmm. you wrapped your way out of that hole. You feel me? Yeah. So he, Joe was like, can you turn it around in 24 hours? I was like, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. Went to the studio. We did the song. The song was called Slaughterhouse. You know what I'm saying? And that was the birth of the group. The internet crashed when they seen all of us together. Mm -hmm. And we were like, yo, let's do that again. That felt good. I flew to New York. We went to Red Spider's crib. Mm -hmm. He put up a beat. We did a joint called Onslaught. And it was just like, it felt like magic again. And we dropped that in the same response. So I, I say the fans kind of made and created Starter House. It was like, oh, they like to see us rapping together. Let's do a group. Right. You know what I mean? And we did the group, man, and dropped the first joint on E1. And, um, you know, from what I hear, M bought a couple copies and was just, like, blown away. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And was like, yo, we need to talk to these guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's how we ended up on Shady, man. But, you know, them are my brothers, man. You know, I, I, I think I, at first I was off it. Mm -hmm. I was really mad, Qua, because we put a lot of work in. I got mm -hmm. three Slaughterhouse tattoos. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Um and the way that it was crumbling from internally, mm -hmm. I just didn't like it. So I started going around talking to Paul Rosenberg, mm -hmm. you know, and M and trying to piece it back together. Mm -hmm. But I was getting resistance. You what know were what I'm some saying? of those internal struggles that we don't know about? The internal struggles, man, was people scheduling. Mm -hmm. We would have, a, we had an album, Glass House. It was done for the most part. You could have made an album out of it, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, we say, okay, now what's next? We have to go out and promote this together as a group now. And people are like, oh, I don't got one member. I don't have no time to do it this summer. Let's talk in November. Then November come around and it's like, you know what? I can't do it now. This other, you know what I mean? And it started being like, okay, this ain't going to happen. Um, and I just felt like it was robbing the culture. I feel like the culture deserved that album because we came with Welcome to Our House. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people felt like it, was, it wasn't the right thing for Slaughterhouse, mm -hmm. the first Shady release. Mm -hmm. So M backed up and said, okay, you guys go to New York and make the whole album how you want to make right. it. We made a Slaughterhouse of producers. You know, we got mm. Just Blaze, um, Justice League, Ill Mind, Cardiac, and these dudes are in here um, working together. You know what I'm saying? Somebody doing drums, somebody doing, you know, playing mm -hmm. instruments, somebody cutting. They made a group of producers to build this whole album, wow. Glass House, and it came out incredible. And I wanted it to see the day of light. So I was back there trying to, you know, patch up holes in the boat, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, before it sunk. And it just ended up sinking. And I got mad 
And I was like, you know what? I just need to be off this because I right. got tired of people on Twitter and Instagram. If I post my lunch on Instagram, they'd be where's like, the where's the album? <laughs> right. So you had to sort of reclaim your time. So I had to reclaim my time. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I made it official. I'm out of the group. I'm not part of that no more. Y'all don't have to hit me up about Slaughterhouse ever again. It's a wrap. And then I started doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. But as I sit here today, you know, I start feeling like we still need to have some closure. Mm. And I haven't said this on anybody's nothing, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We need closure. I think we need to put another Slaughterhouse album out. Uh, the fans would definitely love it, but you know just as well as I do that you can't do it for the fans. If you was doing it for the fans, mm -hmm. you wouldn't, they would be doing it, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you went on Joe's show, Pull Up, mm -hmm. and there was a clip released, but I don't think the whole interview ever came out. I think Joe fi figured out that, you know what, this not gonna be good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot of dirty laundry came out. Mm -hmm. Well, you know maybe that I'm was saying? some of the closure that y'all have, but maybe I need to have some closure in private before the, that the uh, public closure comes out. Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? I like what Joe's doing in the media. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a bigger voice now. Mm -hmm. um, Royce has He's been created making, a job for himself that did not exist. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Royce has been shooting bullseyes. That Book of Ryan, bro. Book of Ryan. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, he just been pow, pow, tearing it up. Right. And, then, and it's been coming from a very genuine place, too. And his new sh I mean, I better be quiet. Okay, some new shit. Yo. Okay, so, <laughs> so you And then Joel, mm -hmm. now he just dropped Monday, and he yeah. just dropped that joint with Apollo Brown. Yeah. That Shout was out to crazy. Apollo Brown, too. Man, I mean, I'm like, yo, everybody's doing crazy shit right now. You know what? I'll be open, mm -hmm. you know? to saying, okay, is there a way that we could give the, the world one last Slaughterhouse album? Now, you have documented your struggles with addiction mm -hmm. and deciding to become sober. Yes, sir. So has Royce right. to great effect. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Button, from the before Slaughterhouse, mm -hmm. when he first came out with the pump, 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 pump it up, he was talking about mental health issues, mm -hmm. talking about going in and out of facilities. You know, when you listen to mood music, you listen to Joe's music, you know that he's dealing with some stuff. Mm -hmm. Slaughterhouse, to me, felt like a support group mm. for MCs who are super talented, but have these demons right. that people with pathologies, the people who grew up how we grew up just have. And it's almost like when y'all came together, and I don't know Joel's issues as much as I know the rest of y'all. I'm sure he has his right. own right. issues that, you know, are right. not maybe as public. But right. do you, do you, is there any truth to that? That, that it was like, a, like an AA meeting for rappers. <laughs> go listen, go listen to Truth or Truth. You just explained that song, and that's like one of our number one songs that fans love. Mm -hmm. You know, we just put all our issues out on, on the table. You but, know what but, I'm saying? But super lyrical. Yeah, super lyrical. Yeah. Like, we like to tell, I'm saying the same thing Easy e is saying, just using syllables. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 you know, um, it's, 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 Slaughterhouse was that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that we need closure. I think the fans need closure. Um, you know, and it'll be something special, you know what I'm saying? Because nobody had a group like that. You have four dudes from four different cities. Right. Three different regions. You know what I mean? Touring the world together, yeah. tearing stages down. I was blessed to tour with y'all one of the Yeah, tours. man, we had fun on that tour. Is there any, <laughs> look, I remember, like, 
that tour was still, I was still in the era where I would do a show and then I'm, I'm going to the club in the city. And turn up. And if there wasn't a club in your city, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? What, yeah. what are y'all doing? <laughs> what y'all doing? Oh, y'all just, y'all just go to rap shows? Y'all don't go to the after party? <laughs> and I would go to the after party. I want to hear that, but y'all were always there. Like, yeah. We were on Rock the Bells tour, mm -hmm. but I'd walk into the, to the underground ratchet spot or whatever, and Slaughterhouse was there. We there, baby. Joe in the back with a cigarette. You know what I'm saying? Grace over here yeah. with this one. With the Patron. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got the Jameson on deck. So you got? do you got any wild stories? Ah, uh, man, probably that I shouldn't share. <laughs> That's uh. the one we want to hear. <laughs> People want to know. Man, it was just a wild ride, bro, because we were like the frat house. Right. That's what Slaughterhouse was. It was like, yo, you might have Joe on the side of the stage throwing up because he's so right. faded. Right. You might have me in the back taking a break real quick because I'm getting dizzy. I done drunk a whole, I done did my tequila vodka henny oh, freestyle no. where I'm like, right. you, I'm blindfolded and somebody give me a cup of tequila. I drink and they don't tell me what it is. I, I taste it. Oh, that's tequila. And right. then I start freestyling about tequila. Then they give me another drink and I'm like, oh, that's Hennessy. <laughs> and I start freestyling about that. And then by the time I'm done, I'm done. Up. <laughs> Party. I remember Exhibit had to, uh, I could drink a whole Hennessy fifth. Uh -huh. And then he would drink the fifth to the face. Yeah. And then they told me that after a few shows, he had to switch to apple juice. You got to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't live like that. That right. stuff, and that stuff catches up to you. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why I'm glad that I went sober off of alcohol. You know what I'm saying? Um, because it caught up to me. Mm -hmm. It caught up to my health. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was recently dealing with a health issue that, you know, I kept it low. Mm. But, um, you know, it's directly related to alcohol. Mm. You see what I mean? And it changed my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I couldn't eat this. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do, like, I thought it was over for me on mm. stage. You know Stick what I'm saying? Stickman from Dead Press went through a similar situation. Uh. You spoke to him about this? Uh -uh. I should try to plug y'all, because uh, he got it please. He got on his health, health thing please. after that situation. Please plug yeah. this, because yeah. I, I definitely... Bro, that is some life-changing stuff when you start sitting down. I've been rapping all my life since I was eight years old sitting in the mirror. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when you come to the realization that you might not be able to get on stage no more, mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a humbling mm. experience, dog. Mm. You know what I mean? And, mm. and it came from that, that bottle. You know, that devil in that bottle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had to set that bottle down. I was taking life L's. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was like, yo, I got to sit this down, period. Mm. And I did, and I was able to do it for the last three and a half years. Congratulations. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that, bro. No doubt. I definitely appreciate that. Well, we were, um, when I was in culinary school, they literally had like classes set up for us where we talked about drug and alcohol abuse. And I think that labels should do that too, because we've had so many people on this show that are in the industry that have come and like, now I'm sober because of all the drinking and stuff and the drugs, and they don't really tell you the effects that it might have later on or coach you into doing better when, you, yeah. when you're your time. We need to talk about that more in hip hop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I had created this show for BET called One Shot. Mm -hmm. It was a rap competition. And we went to like five different cities trying to find the next big rapper. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I come into the city, like we was in Miami, I had DJ Khaled. We was in Atlanta, I had mm -hmm. T.I. You know what I mean? I had Sway hosting it. And the last show was in New York. And I had Remy Ma as a guest. And um, I had Rhapsody perform at the end. Mm -hmm. This was 2015. And um, it was a great thing, man. Um, the kids that were performing and competing, they were walking on air. 
You know, I was watching them. They didn't know I was watching them. They were so happy, like, yo, I told all my family I'm going to be on TV tonight and, you know, this and that. It was just a beautiful experience for me. The next day, I had to turn myself in for a DUI charge. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm sitting in a cell, you know what I mean, after one of my highs in my life. Now I'm listening to this dude on meth tweaking because he, you know, he going through withdrawal. Mm -hmm screaming all night and I can't even sleep and I'm in this box, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, yo, bro, you got to stop. Right. You got to. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I'm actually working on a documentary right now um, that deals with the relationship between sobriety and hip hop. Mm. So, you know, y'all be watching out for that. I like so, to see so. that. Yeah, sir. Would you ever uh, do like a loving hip hop or anything like Joe Budden did? No. No? <laughs> because I've been approached by producers of Love and Hip Hop to be a part of the cast. I always say no. Yeah. Because I, there's some things I want to just keep private. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? That I could just hold to me. That's just me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I got daughters. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? I'm not going to have them trying to explain why they father wilding out on TV all the time mm -hmm. with these relationships. You know what I'm saying? Or mm -hmm. something of that, that I'm, I just can't do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but, you know, more power to whoever does it. I understand it, man. It's like, you know, they trying to get checks out here. Yeah, it's hard out here. You know what I'm saying? For rappers. It's, giving it's them just hard. <laughs> Let's keep that all the way above. It has given them new platforms and stuff, too, because, like, you know, younger people watch the show and they see rappers that mm -hmm. they wouldn't have, you know, normally seen. But then you become Joe Button from Love & Hip Hop. As opposed to like, and you're right. I'm glad to see Joe what Joe has been able to do because as a as a fan of his, mm -hmm. as an MC, right, mm -hmm. as my peer, I look at Joe Button like, God damn that boy cold mm -hmm. with them bars and with that mm -hmm. pen. And I would get mad when I would see him and Consequence and other people Go all love of hip hop, yeah. and they they become Consequence from love of hip hop. And I'm like, y'all don't know, mm -hmm. y'all don't know yeah, how that yeah. boy spit. Y'all yeah. don't really, y'all y'all are not really respecting him how he should be respected. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It would make me mad as a fan of hip hop to watch that show mm -hmm. and to see that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I but you never want to stop no next man eating. And I also know that look, ain't no checks out here for us. So mm -hmm. you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that's real. It's yeah. a, it, it can get droughty. Real yeah. fast in hip hop, you know, especially if you're not compromising your, your artist's integrity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, dog, they really are trying to. Yeah, I, some, do you ever feel like it's an agenda against the type of music you make? Um, yeah, I do. I think that um, people want music to be escapism, and there's nothing mm. wrong with that. And as a matter of fact, there's even art in that. There's art in crafting a good escapist pop song. But that's not what I do. Right. And I think it's f for us to be honest about what we do. Um, Bob Dylan talks about going to see a performer and being amazed by what the performer does on stage. And Bob Dylan, as an artist, you know, it's hard to imitate his voice the way he plays. He says, I'm trying to do things that you can't do. Mm. I want you to come to my show. It's not about singing along. That's not mm. what I want. And so there's some artists who can sing along. I went to a Drake show once. And I was, it was like, you know, 20,000 people. And Drake, the way that Drake sings, mm -hmm. he's not singing like Beyonce. Mm -hmm. He's not hitting every note. He's singing in a way that everybody in that venue could feel comfortable and confident in singing along with, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. And so it was like a big sing-along. And as much as I was like, I really respect it. I'm like, this is amazing. Everybody just sharing this moment together. Right, right, but right. But also in that moment, I'm like, that's not what I do. That's not what, I, yeah. What I do is I spit them bars to so you be like. Yeah. And if you could say it, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can pat yourself yeah. on the back for saying it, but yeah. we come from an era of like, we trying to do some shit that's original, that is only what I do. You're not supposed to sound like me. Right. You know, you're not supposed to sing along. You're supposed to listen. Yeah. To get to the punchline. So you could be right. like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what, what it is. That's what we do. Yeah. And Drake could do that too. Yeah, they thought I was know? a damn alien, bro. When I used to come in the sessions, mm -hmm. because it was all gangster rap. Mm -hmm. And I come in there, you know, my shoddy spit around, your body spin around in six circles, and I'm talking all this crazy verbal shit. Mm -hmm. And they're like looking at me, and my OGs is like, what you talking about, cuz? <laughs> and then they be like, you know, but when they see like an A&R come in, like, yo, that kid is nice. And they be right. like, well, he must be doing something, you know right. what I'm saying? Because, but I don't know what the fuck he talking about. And it was very hard, you know, because I felt like an outsider. That's you know the thing, I'm, I'm glad you say that because, um. You know, it's like we get caught up in us being people. Me, me, be, I'm speaking for people who are not from LA. Right. And the caricature of LA rap is essentially comes from what NWA was marketed as. Right. But people forget that Dre was really about the beats and the lyrics. Yeah. Ice Cube was really about the beats and the lyrics. Absolutely. It's like that shit was marketed as, yeah. you know, the scary gangster vibe, but these is artists. Yeah. You know, this is art. 100%, man. Yeah. DOC. Yeah, you know DLC what I'm saying? Like, it was cold. It was cold, you know yeah. what I mean? And it was just hard. I seen Razzcaz go through that challenge too, you know what I mean? Where people wanted to put him in a box after he did Nature of the Threat. Mm -hmm. You know, they wanted, that's what they wanted from him forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was like, you know, they try to put Go get that Soul on Ice 2 out now. Soul on Ice 2. <laughs> He's uh, still giving it to him forever because he knows it, but yeah. he understands what it is. We had Raz on, he knows what it is. But you were talking about agendas, and that might be an agenda too because they, you know, want the violent rap and everything to be pushed. They don't want to show the narratives of the conscious rapper because they mm -hmm. keep wanting to, to put that, oh, black people are this and that's right. it. And it's like, right. that's not just what black people are. Yeah, so you don't, you're not offended when a cop kills an innocent black mm -hmm. kid because right. you already... Thugs anyway. Yeah, they thugs anyway, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and that's the reason why I did the Good Versus Evil album one and two. I, I saw what happened to Tamir Rice and it mm. changed me. You know, I went directly into the booth because I couldn't go nowhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, shot uh, in two seconds. In mm -hmm. two seconds, bro. You know what I mean? And 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 the caller on the phone said it might be a toy. You know, told the yeah, cops. You told know, the cops. It might be a toy gun, mm -hmm. but they went in there and they murked them. They that's how you know that their job is to actually kill that boy in that situation yeah like the police job in that situation yeah the instructions was go out and kill that nigger yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it changed me so I, I said you know what what can I do because you know I, I do have kids and you know I'm not gonna go out here and just pick it I don't think it's that time yet you know and if it ever comes to the time in my life where it's pick up a rifle then that's what it is and you know kiss my kids and that's it mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying but um I just felt like you know sometimes you need to shake people so I did the good versus evil and I rapped about things that a lot of people weren't covering topics, mm -hmm. you know, environmental racism, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just people slept hard, you know what I mean, harder than usual. And on that, I just on, you're talking about on that project, on that project, because of yeah. the things that I was saying on there, man. And it was like, yo, there's a real resistance against enlightening people and waking mm -hmm. them up. Mm -hmm. I used to spend some time with Quick back in the day and, you know, of course tonight and he has classics, mm -hmm. but Balance and Options right. made me be like, whoa, 
like I love that album. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I remember talking to Quick about that album maybe five, six years after it came out. I'm like, man, that ballads and options, that still rocks. He's like, right. man, niggas wasn't checking for that shit. And they don't want to hear me be on no positive shit. Ain't that something, dog? Yeah. And that's and that's sad because Because like, he was talking about bringing the gang culture together, together. on that record. Yeah. yeah. I mean Snoop just dropped one blood, one cuz. And I'm mad that that's not one of the most talked about records this year. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because the, the message is very much so needed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's talking about bringing Bloods and Crips together. And people are like, well, I heard that song before. Somebody else made a song about Bloods and Crips. I said, yeah, but this is Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Mm -hmm. you know How what important, saying? you being a Long Beach dude, right? Snoop is bigger than rap. Mm -hmm. Snoop is, you know, Snoop is... <sighs> It's hard to put my finger on how important this man is, is because right. the same way that he reached out to Crooked Eye mm -hmm. from Long Beach, mm -hmm. and the same love that he showed you, he showed to me. Talib mm -hmm. Kweli from Brooklyn, he never met with different styles of rap. He didn't have to show me love, and every I mean Snoop goes out his way to show me love, and he goes out his way to show everybody love. Right. But he's still Snoop Dogg from Long Beach. Yeah, mm -hmm. he is, man, yeah. and you know. Here's a guy who's a multi-anything right now. Yeah, I <laughs> zebra mean, stripes. He can race the stripes. Listen, he can play a zebra. He just it got a show in the other day. He got so. a he got you a game me? show. Got a talk show. Man, got a, he's, he's killing. Nigga he's could a be a, he could be a Rastafarian for a year. Yeah, was a Snoop he, Lion. <laughs> What's happening, Snoop Lion? What's happening? He's also a Libra. Just putting that out you there. You feel me? <laughs> and he just you know I just really when I see that you know it just irritates me a little bit. I get it. I understand it. But it's like yo man. This song is important. Mm -hmm. Let's not just sweep it under the rug and just, you know, right. go to sleep on it, man, because we need that right now, you know, especially after the Nipsey, man. Rest in peace, Nip, you know? We need that, man. And Do you feel like it's y'all's responsibility, though, to make sure songs like that are getting played? Because um, the media definitely controls what we're listening to and things of that nature. But if it's like, if it's a song that you love and you know, you're, you have a platform. So, you know, I feel like, do you guys think that y'all should be pushing? I mean, it costs like a couple hundred thousand dollars to get a few thousand spins on the radio a week. Yeah. That's just the facts of the game. People think it's organic, yeah. but it's like, if you ain't spending a couple racks, at least. Well, I mean like through your social yeah. media, like. Real talk. Like, um, when, like, like through your, your story or whatever. like Yeah, I mean, I, I try to do my part and I, I try to point to myself as examples, uh, as an example. Um, but it's weird, you know, I remember, you know, 1984, we had We Are The World. Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, Lana Ritchie, these are the biggest names in the game. And, you know, the crisis in Ethiopia was so bad that they were able to pull at America's heartstrings. Right. And there was no internet, there was no cable TV. There were three networks. There was mm -hmm. CBS, NBC, ABC, there wasn't even no Fox Fox back then. There was no Married with Children, Simpsons, Tracy Ullman. That wasn't out yet. Right. So if you watch TV, you watch one of them three networks, mm -hmm. unless you was watching a local affiliate. When the Super Bowl happened, everybody in America, 100 million people, 90 million people, whatever, are watching the Super Bowl. So after the Super Bowl went off, everybody watched that video for We Are The World. Mm -hmm. Everybody watched, and we all remember that as a cultural moment. Right. But when you have the internet, and blogs and cable TV. I remember when Trayvon Martin died, the game did a great record. Mm. Game did a record about Trayvon Martin featuring Rick Ross and Diddy and a whole bunch of other people who were popping at the time. That shit was on the blogs for like two hours yeah. and then they went on to talk about whatever rap beef. Right. And so it's so much, so much content to navigate towards. The art has not only lost value because 
we have so many distractions, but the actual value of the art, people don't buy shit. Why would this generation buy shit when they can get everything for free? Mm -hmm. So they look at art as not valuable. So an artist like Crooked Eye has to be like, listen, I'm giving you bars every week. Yeah. And he's putting onus on himself. He's not a lot of, there's a lot of rappers yeah. who might have been as good as Crooked Eye at one point who would be like, man, these young boys, they don't know music. Right. Like, oh, the game has changed. Oh, right. the, the industry's so foul. You like, fuck that. Yeah. I, oh, this is how y'all want to receive the music? I'm going to put it in a package that you can receive it, and I'm going to make sure that you know where to re get my package. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the onus is on us to create the music, regardless of what happens in the culture. But the culture doesn't support us when we create the music, and it's not even their fault. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the powers that be. That's why we have to resist the status quo. Mm -hmm. You know, this... People ask me all the time, whenever something happens, you know, you know me, whenever something yeah. happens, they play Get By on the radio. Yeah. People come to me and say, Quali, you should make a song about this. What, I need to make self-destruction again yeah. so y'all niggas could not listen to it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's real talk. Yeah, man. That's real talk. And, you know, um, just being men of action, we got to take action. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my thing is, you know, some of the rap media is, in my opinion, suckers. Mm -hmm. So right, because they put all the onus on the MCs. Yeah. What are the MCs doing? I'm like, fuck that. What are the program directors doing? Right. What are these DJs doing? What are these bloggers doing? What kind of content are you doing that supports the culture other than talking Drama, about some beef for gossip. clicks and views? It's all clickbait. Yeah. But that's the reason for People's Party. Mm -hmm. You know for what I'm sure. saying? And that's the reason for Crook's Corner. That's right. Because we got to take control of the narrative. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So everybody that watches these programs, they need to share. They need to post about it. They need to make sure them views is up mm -hmm. and show the world that you don't have to talk about a rap beef to get a, have a successful program. Mm -hmm. You don't have to talk about who this man is cheating on with and who this person mm -hmm. is dating and all that. You could talk real shit, politics, rap, things going on in the community and still get views, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because that's the only thing that's gonna change it, you know? Right. So I need everybody to share this, mm -hmm. you know Who's what I'm saying? Who's your favorite, what, not gonna say favorite because I want you to compare contrast, but uh, tell me one of your best times you've had with Crook's Corner so far. Oh, man, really um, all of it, but um, Royce was a good one because me and Royce, I don't think a lot of people see me and Royce talking like that. They right. just know us from Slaughterhouse together and things of that nature. And, um, you know, that was a good one, man. Our conversation and what we thought about our first album, I asked him if he thought it would be a classic one day and his idea that it's not and me thinking it is and that little exchange and, you know, just talking to my brother um, and E-40. Having mm -hmm. E-40 on and understanding that this man has been relevant since the late 80s. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? With all rap. Different generations. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of our rappers, you know, for them to be relevant in three different decades, they have to go to movies and film right. and TV. He's all rap. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got a song with 40. It's called, uh, the hook goes, Quali and 40 got a song together in real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's real talk. That's you know what I'm saying? Hook. And he got that language, you uh, know what I'm yeah. saying? And it, it's just fun. You know, he had the great energy. Tech Nine was a good show because here we have an independent juggernaut. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That works hard. Forbes list gang. Forbes list. Yeah. Off of no radio spins. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like really out the mud. You know what I mean? Um, just and even to Benny and you know, just talking to the future. Right. You know, it's just it's just been great, man. It's it's therapeutic to me, and it's not a job, and that's the kind of jobs I like. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones that aren't work. You know what I'm saying? How ill is it that our experience 
has led us to the point where we are able to have a conversation without getting on our phone mm -hmm. and that our conversation is has value in the marketplace even it could be argued more value than our songs uh i'm grateful you know what i'm saying i'm just grateful and i, I think that we deserve to be in this space we need to be in this space because like i said the narrative needs to change i need to be able to see you interviewing bun b mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i need that you know yeah. what i mean i don't want to see bun all the time talking to somebody who doesn't understand writing who right. doesn't understand hip-hop you know he just got something hot going on at the time and he, you know so we're gonna have him as a guest mm -hmm. right you know what i mean like right. it just means more and i just think that you know what we're doing right now is just that's the next level you know yeah. what i'm saying and uh i can't wait to see where it goes well, I hope that I'm a guest on Crook's Corner. Come on so through, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Make sure you check out Crook's Corner. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Crooked Eye. Yeah, King man. Crooked. Thanks for having me, my brother. Appreciate you, man. Much salutes.